Good morning, everyone. It, it is so lovely to see so many of you that I remember those faces when we were here, what, seven years ago? <laughs> For those of you that weren't here and don't know who I am, my name's Lisa Moras. I'm originally from Canterbury, and my husband is from Mozambique, and he is still in Mozambique looking after the children because they have school and keeping, holding the fort of the mission work. We're in the north of Mozambique. We have an orphanage, presently seven boys in there, and we do lots of children and youth and literacy and healthcare and evangelistic work. Before I speak more about that, I've just got a, a visual summary of what we do. Well, our connection to your church is through Mary and Guy Beckenham, who lots of you know. In 2020, they were supposed to come and visit you and have some time in the UK for a few months and return in the May or July to round up their time with us and leaving in October. But of course, when they got on the plane to come to England, they did not know that was the last plane out of Mozambique before COVID caused us to go into lockdown and shut all our airports. They've only just managed to come back to us and say their proper goodbyes and sort out their things and give them away to the community and people around. We were thankful for their work and we were also thankful to Claire who also joined us. Shortly after Mary and Guy felt it was time to finish serving with us and get about being busy as grandparents, 
that uh, also Claire felt it was time to come back here and do further studies. So we went from a team of five to a team of three to a team of two, my husband and I. I can honestly say that the last two years have been very difficult because we, we only had two pairs of hands instead of five. Mary's work has had to stop because there's no one else to take on the um, disability, um, children with disabilities. However, I've taken on Guy's work and Claire's work, so I've gone from doing one-man job to a three-man job. If I'm honest, when I came at Christmas with my children, it was just for a rest. I was on near burnout. We are so thankful to the Lord, though, because before Mary and Guy left, they had the pastor of the church we all go to and his wife living on site. And while they were with us, we just saw how they just naturally just loved the boys in the home and just got stuck in with helping, even though they weren't officially team members. Orlando and I prayed and thought, during COVID, no one can fly out to us. How are we going to get more team members from England? But God had given us Esperanza and Botamani. Botamani can only give us a small portion of his week because he's also a pastor of the church. And as you know, pastors have a lot to do. So they cannot also give a full week's work to the ministry. But he does do the football outreach. And we have girls, a boys, and a young men's team. And as you saw there in the gazebo, it was packed with many of those football players, not just coming for football, but also to hear the good news of Jesus. And we hope one day that they will respond to that. Esperanza is full-time, and she has been learning unto me. I've been training her last year to do the literacy program. In the schools, there is, in the primary schools, between 70 and 80 in one classroom with one teacher, and there is no help for those with learning disabilities. It is a survival of the fittest. And many of them come from illiterate backgrounds. In secondary schools, it can be over 100, 120 in a classroom. They have to pass their school year to move up. If not, they repeat. Many drop out before they reach the end of their education. If we can give them a foundation in learning to read and write, that is a great foundation and, and a passion that we have. Many of them learn the, the letters, the names of the letters, but they don't learn the sounds. So we really focus on the phonetics. It's a, a four-month course, and by the end of the course, they are able to break down a word because they know the sounds and they can read basic sentences by themselves, which gives them a stepping stone to learning everything else. Esperanza this year, you saw lots of pictures of her up there, and she is leading the whole thing by herself now. So that is a great thing that I can pass on. We have children's club, and we do games and chronological Bible storytelling, fun action songs for... With, about Jesus, and then they sit around um, a bowl of, of popcorn and juice, and then we pray for them. 
During COVID, they have not um, been able to do that. We're hoping in February in the new school year that we can start that again. And through that, we've had many become Christians, which caused us to set up the youth group. As we are a small team, and we are very linked now to the church, being that our pastor is one of our team members, and we go to his church, it's a beautiful link that as big people become Christians, we have a good Bible teaching church to send them to. And so we're trying to integrate now the youth group into that uh, Bible study on a Saturday morning, which releases me, but also prevents us from duplicating something that's already good and going on. You saw our food project. I saw you all laughing. Yes, I'm sorry. Those rabbits aren't to stroke. They are to eat. <laughs> so just block your ears if you don't like to hear that. <laughs> yep, it's a very good way to have meat as are the turkeys and the ducks. The boys work in the food garden and they have, um, the, they plant, they irrigate, they harvest and they get to eat what they harvest. We also help people in the village who don't have much and they can either come and ask for help for a, like a bit like a, a Mozambican food bank and we give out vegetables to them from the garden or they can work for a small period of time within the garden, helping us to plough and plant, and we will give them a one-off wage. Healthcare mums and babies. There is so much corruption in the schools, in the hospitals, in the local government. And therefore, many mums, when they are pregnant, are not given all the checks that they should have. And if they don't pay the nurses, the midwives, they can birth on their own. So I'm not a nurse or a midwife, but I have done a, a short healthcare course, which enables me to perhaps bring prevention to things being more serious. And you saw me doing blood pressure there, enabling a prevention of preeclampsia and the loss of a child in the womb. I also go round the village and visit people that are sick, Check that they have received the right medicine, and if not, say, get back to the hospital. You need this. I will also pray with them and share Jesus' love, for after all, our God is the doctor of all doctors. And we have mums and babies coming through our doors every, every Tuesday. And I check that they've had their vaccinations, they're weighing well, they're feeding well, and if not, giving advice or sending them back to the hospital. Through that, we have many people in the UK knitting hats and jumpers. You think, why? Africa's hot. But we're 1,200 metres above sea level, so actually, in the winter, it is quite cold. And they have many, many children and don't have enough to clothe them adequately in the cold season. The poorest of the poor will get also a blanket and we give a welcome pack for the babies. At that time, I share the gospel message. And those who want to know more, I ask them where they live, and I go and visit them and teach them through chronological Bible storytelling who Jesus is and why they need a saviour. We also get to teach and preach in local churches. And up the road from us, another mission organisation has a Bible school. And Orlando and I get chance 
once a year, taking it in turns to do an eight-week course with them, teaching them how to interpret the Bible in context within the whole book and then going into detail verse by verse, showing them how to apply it to their lives and grow in faith. I also share um, the gospel with anyone as I'm walking around the village, um, hoping that people will want to know more. I'm so thankful to those of you who are already supporting us, and I know as a church you are as well. It makes all the difference. But if you're not yet involved and you want to be, there are many ways you can do that. We send out a bi-monthly newsletter, and it has all our updates, but it also has our prayer needs on it. So if you are a prayer, uh, you love intercession, that is something that you do then please come and ask um, for a newsletter. Give me your email address and we'll keep in touch. You could come and visit us as Ronnie and Cassie did. That was such a blessing to have them come out. And um, thank you. It was great taking you around the village. That is an encouragement. So if you just want to come and see firsthand what we're up to, we love having visitors. And the planes are flying now. (laughs) Also, if you feel called to mission work and you think maybe this is something you would like to know more about, come and talk to us after. Whilst we have now gone from a team of two to three and a bit, we could do with two or three more people. You could knit hats and jumpers from baby up to their siblings around 14 years of old. If you're into knitting, come and talk to me and I'll let you know how you can do that. Or you could sponsor a boy or the general funds, or a team member. We haven't been able to have more boys in the home. We presently have seven. But now that the restrictions have lifted, we've been told we can have more. So we're looking, when I get back to Mozambique, to have about four or five more boys. So we are looking for more sponsorship to cover their costs. Thank you so much for everything that you are doing. Please continue to partner us. Trevor asked me if I would preach, and thank you for sharing the verses earlier on. So we're looking at Luke 11, 5 to 13. We know these verses very well. Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And we often only read those verses. We don't often look at the verses that are wrapped around it. I like to see verses within the context of where it's meant to be. And at the beginning, we hear of the friend who has a visitor at night but has no food to give them. And he insists and insists with his neighbor until he helps him to be able to feed this visitor. God speaks about perseverance. So when we ask and we seek and we, and we knock, he wants us to persevere in that. At the end, he's talking about receiving the Holy Spirit 
So we're talking about perseverance and we're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit within the context of ask, seek, find. I've been on a little journey with God going, well, you say, ask and you'll receive. But there are times when he's silent or I feel he's saying no. I just don't know if I'm to persevere. There are conditions as to when God answers prayer. And there are many verses that say if. If is if we do this or are this or live this, then he'll answer our prayers. In James 5 and Matthew 21, it speaks about if we have faith. So we need to pray in faith to receive an answer. John 15 speaks about abiding in him, in Jesus, in his words, in his Bible, in his words. And then we will receive. And abiding is about relationship. And we've been singing some beautiful words. Go deeper, deeper still, deeper still. There is so much more of God's presence and character that we can grasp. Let's abide. 1 John 3 says, if we obey him and we please him, he will answer our prayers. The opposite is also true. John 15 again, if we bear fruit, if, if we bear fruit, and we will bear fruit if we abide, and his fruit remains, then we ask in the Father, in Jesus' name, we will have an answer. He will, we will receive. Psalm 37 says, delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But we've got to do the first bit first. We've got to delight in him. And as we delight in him, our desires will probably come in line with his anyway. Therefore, we will get the desires of our heart. 1 John 5 says, according to his will, he hears us. As we get to know God more, as our relationship with his, him deepens, as we understand what his will is, we're asked accordingly and therefore we will see answers. If we confess our sin, we'll be healed and the prayer of righteous person has great power as it is working. James 5. And God doesn't answer when we do the opposite of these things. Isaiah 59 and Psalm 66 say when we cherish sin or we have unconfessed sin, God hides his face and he doesn't listen. But because of Jesus, if we recognize our sin and we repent, he forgives and we are clean and then we can ask. Also, God has been talking to me about anxiety. 
and I know lots of people during COVID have been struggling with mental health. When we are anxious, anxiety is the opposite of trust. And then we don't give our problems to him because we don't perhaps trust that he will be answer them or he'll meet our need. But he's saying, be anxious not. Give all your cares to him. Trust in him and he will answer. And in James 4, when we ask wrongly to spend it on our own passions, he will not answer. I've been reading a really good book, which is helping me to understand perhaps why God doesn't always answer us with a yes. It's called God on Mute by Peter Gregg. If you don't know it or you haven't read it, I would say do. It's amazing. It has helped me when I have been frustrated. God says pray and that person will be healed, but I have prayed for people and they haven't. And I think that's my greatest thing that upsets me. Why? Why aren't you healing people? But I'm going to just condense the things that Peter Gregg says in his book. There are many reasons why God doesn't answer. And some of them is because his hands are tied. Not because he is not all-powerful, but because he has chosen for us to have free will. Because sometimes our prayer will contradict another person who's praying something else. If you are a Manchester United fan and you pray for your team to win and they're playing against Arsenal and an Arsenal Christian is asking for Arsenal to win, who's God going to answer? (laughs) Well, (laughs) so some prayers aren't answered because they're just plain stupid. That's his first reason. Sorry to those who love football. (laughs) Sometimes it's because of contradiction. They contradict somebody else's prayers. I don't have enough hands here. The laws of nature. Some prayers aren't answered because they would be detrimental to the world and to the lives of others. I'm getting through them. Where are we? Some prayers aren't answered the way we think we should be because our understanding and expectation of God is wrong. So much quicker when I had two hands. Some prayers aren't answered because God has got something even better for us. Some prayers, even spiritual sounding ones, aren't answered because they are in fact selfishly motivated. Some prayers aren't answered because God himself is a greater answer than the thing we are asking for. And he wants to use our sense of need to draw us into a deeper relationship with him. Free will. 
Some prayers aren't answered because God will not force a person to do something that he or she does not want to do. Some prayers aren't answered because they are working gradually and not in an impersonal mechanism of forced power. There's a few here, but they are good ones. Some prayers aren't answered because we just don't believe they will be. However, faith grows as we get to know God. Some prayers just haven't been answered yet. Whether your prayers are being resisted by mysterious spiritual forces, by stubborn people, or even by God himself, just don't give up. Keep stacking dominoes. And the last, some prayers aren't answered because of areas of disobedience in our lives. Are there hidden sins we need to confess or actions we need to take in order to lend power to our prayers? Some prayers aren't answered because of our disregard for the need of others in our communities and in other nations too. We go on from ask to seek. In Jeremiah 29, it says there is a condition to finding him. And we don't just seek, but we seek with all our hearts. Not part of it, all of our hearts. As we go back to the perseverance, sometimes we've just got to keep asking over and over again. Like the persevering friend who needed some bread. And I remember a long time ago, I don't know still people wear them, there are those bracelets called PUSH. And it says, pray until something happens, P-U-S-H. We need to persist. Now I go to the earthly fathers who know to give bread and not a stone, to give good things. And it's Father's Day. And it's a time to say thank you to our fathers for the good things they have done for us. I'm aware that not everyone has the privilege of a good father. And so therefore it's hard for us to visualize God as our father. But because we are imperfect, we are not to look at any human and think that they can be everything that we need. People will let us down, even if their heart's in the right place and they do the best for us, they'll let us down. But God is perfect. God is love. God wants the best for you. He is the loudest cheerer on the sideline of your life, saying, go. He loves us perfectly. 
1 John 3 says, how great, how great is the love the Father has lavished, lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. He lavishes his love upon us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's you and me. He so loved us, he sent Jesus to take the most awful, painful death because he wanted to restore our relationship with him. Because he wants to know us, to do business, to do walk with us, to have relationship with us, to love on us, to talk to us, as Adam and Eve did in the garden before sin entered the world. Let's go deeper still, deeper still, deeper still. Sometimes we also wonder why he is not giving us what we want not receiving. And there are many other reasons for that. Sometimes he allows tough stuff to come into our lives. Because I'm sure you as fathers, when you've disciplined your children and they ask for something and it's not good for them, perhaps they want to play with the kitchen knife (laughs) and they're three and you go, "Um, no, (laughs) no. And they might have a bit of a tantrum and throw themselves on the floor because they don't understand why. But it's not safe. We're protecting them. Or they don't want to eat a whole bag of sweets just before lunch. They don't understand sweets are good, but not when they ruin the appetite of a more wholesome food that's about to come. And the same as we discipline our own children, God disciplines those whom he loves. And sometimes there is pruning so that we will produce more fruit. Sometimes it's so that he can test our faith. He can strengthen us and mature us. He is the potter and we are the clay and he wants to mold us into more of his likeness. He wants us to reflect his light and his love to the world around us. And as iron sharpens iron, as gold is refined through the fire, sometimes the only way is through trials, through difficulties. Because he loves us so much. He wants us to be more like him, more like Jesus. It's painful. But as we cling to him, as we said in these songs, beautiful songs, that he will see us through the other side. And he will grow us and we'll look back and we'll go, wow, I don't do that anymore. Or that doesn't hurt anymore. Or wow, I was a witness to that person because I wouldn't have met them if this hadn't happened. God loves us so much. And the last verse is that he gives us his spirit. We can do nothing without him. We have to abide. We have to go deeper still into his love. 
And as we do with his spirit in us, we will be able to do amazing things. I loved the testimonies we had. Every one of us, if we love Jesus and we follow him and we've given our lives to him, is a missionary right where you live, right where you work, right where you do your shopping. We are all called to be salt and light. And we have, as we sang, a good, good father. Amen.